Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. People's Saturday has come and gone uh, and we've just had a number of results that have fascinated and intrigued and excited and disappointed in some ways. Catherine Whitaker here on the broadcast roof at Wimbledon here with me David Law and some people are getting very excited in one of the little studios nearby because it's that time of night, it's middle Sunday tomorrow and some people are probably just having one or two many too many pims um this is the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph and sponsored by amazon prime video the new home of the u.s open in the uk and catherine the reason i gave all those descriptions of the days because you've been on flash interview duty today for the bbc and you've you must have done some very different types of interview or following some very different types of tennis matches why don't you go through them I did three interviews that I absolutely was not planning on doing at the start of the day. The first was with the winner of the match between top seed Simona Halep and the unseeded Sue Wei Shea, who, to be fair, has a, a past history of giant killing. She beat Muguruza at the Australian Open. She beat Conta at, at the French Open last year. But still, to beat Halep today, 7-5 in the third after Halep had led 5-2... Uh, in that deciding set, or was five it five two? Hang on, no, was wow. it? It was the second set that she led five two. Uh-huh. Uh, second set that she led five two. She, she had a match point, Halep. It's all a bit of a blur. Uh, that kind of day is that kind of day. And Sue Wei Shei um, from Chinese Taipei, she's this incredible throwback. If she were playing tennis in in the fifties, she would be a multiple Wimbledon champion. I mean, no power at all. I am not exaggerating for effect when I say that. Her serve is is softer than mine. I think it is really, it, yeah. And most of her ground strokes, she just you know looks at herself in a game, knows absolutely what her strengths are and what is most likely to win her tennis matches, and she goes with it, slicing and dicing and mixing it up. She's so canny, uh, very different game style, but canny in the same way. Um, that Daria Kazakina is, we're definitely going to talk about later. Um, and she was brilliant today and, and absolutely deserved her victory. Simona Halep, um, who I also spoke to a little while after the match, um, is mentally exhausted without question. You know, oh, really? I asked her, I asked her whether now she's a Grand Slam champion. Now she has that 
Grand Slam title that no one can ever take away from her, whether a loss like this hurts less. And she said, you know what? It's just too not enough time. It's just not enough time between the French and Wimbledon when you when when you've won it. it you know that was the most seismic event in her life, mm. and she's yes. had to try and get us get herself into the the same mindset that she was before the most seismic event of her life. And and she admitted that she 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 called her performance actually unprofessional in the press conference. She called it wow. mentally unprofessional. Uh, which is which is very interesting, but she was also quite resigned and accepting of the fact that maybe she wasn't capable of anything mentally more than that today. So I found that very interesting. She plans to take uh, a proper proper break. She said she's not going to watch the second week of Wimbledon. She said she's going to um, treat herself, look after herself. Just do nothing. She sounds like one of those people, David, and I am very much on board with this, that is really capable of doing nothing. You know those annoying people that just can't do nothing and a day off for them involves getting up at 7am and going for a run and and I find it quite quite hard to, <laughs> to get on board with those people. Um, it doesn't sound like Simone Halep's on those people. It sounds like she's very, very driven, you know, when there's a job to do and, and all that, she will absolutely do it, clearly. But also, when she's deciding to have some time off, it sounds like she's very, very good at lying on the sofa and watching Netflix. And you, I you think, do, good yeah, luck you, to you. You are kindred spirits. Um, the, the, the idea of, of that seismic event in her life leading to sort of exhaustion and deflation in a way. I mean, that, that reminds me a little of Djokovic two years ago when he, he completed yeah. that, cal- well, not calendar year, but career Grand Slam by winning the French Open. And he came here and he was just underpowered, wasn't he? And, and Sam Querrey took him out and he's kind of never been the same since. Well, the thing is that this stat only applies to, to, to the women's side, but there has only been, in the last decade, I think, there has only been one first-time Grand Slam winner who has gone on to even reached the quarterfinals of the subsequent Grand Slam. Wow. Um, wow that's, that, that so, is you know, interesting. And you look, you look back, Muguruza lost first round here when she had won Wimbledon, Sloane Stephens lost first round of the Australian Open. Mm. Uh, what, where, are we, where are we going back before that? Who won Wimbledon last year, David? Garbini Muguruza. Garbini Muguruza. So, but that wasn't a first-time slam. So, um, Ostapenko. Ostapenko. Yep. Who, brilliant today. by the way, David, before anybody starts handing Serena Williams this trophy, which is a, a topic of conversation I've heard raised today, I say, oh. hang on a minute. I hate that topic First of, of all, Caroline Pushkov is in her section of the draw and is the seventh seed. Yep. And OK, she's never been to the second week here before, but she blooming well ought to have. Mm-hmm. That's a complete, um, uh, you know, that is a... a bizarre section of her CV, her Wimbledon record to date, uh, but she might be rectifying this year, but Yelena Ostapenko, I mean look out for her Well I did that match uh, on, on 5 Live Sports Extra today and she went I think 6 love, 3 love up and I mean she was up against a player in Dierchenko who'd who'd beaten Maria Sharp over over 3 hours and, and 9 minutes. And backed it up yeah, in the subsequent round. backed round. it up and I mean there was one point that really summed it all up to me when Dierchenko put this perfect length backhand onto the baseline. It literally hit the baseline and chalk came up. And Ostapenko just took one step around it and smacked it for a winner. And you're thinking, 
that that shot shouldn't even be in your mind for for a normal percentage play, and and that's what she believes she's capable of. That's what she produced. I mean, I, I had a, I had a whale of a time on that particular court because uh, that that match followed uh, Daria Kasatkina, who you mentioned, up against Ash Barty, and and we were having a little chat before that, and just speculating wondering whether we could maybe look at a, a Barty as uh, I started to dream David yeah, somebody who could I mean go not, I mean I love Kazakina too and I, that's hit. absolutely fine but I started to look at Barty she was 4-1 up in that first set and I thought hang on could she win Wimbledon you know well and her, her game seems on paper so suited to grass and I think it is suited to grass even though she hadn't had any wins here before she'd beaten Bouchard in the previous round she it just looks right but this was the first time those two players had ever played each other before and in the first few games as you say it was 4-1 she had a point for 5-1 as well a uh, break point did Barty and then, and and the, the the backhand slice was causing all sorts of problems, and she she kind of got that one-two punch: the backhand slice and the whipped forehand, and it it, it hurts opponents, and she can volley. But Kasatkina, you could just tell, was just trying it out and seeing seeing what she'd got in a way, allowing allowing Barty to do what she did, and then she just said, right, okay, so if that backhand comes across like this, I'm just going to fade it the other way with my backhand and you won't like it. It was like watching somebody solve a Rubik's Cube, wasn't mm, it? Yeah, and, and she just she just had m- more variety even than the player with all the variety. And, uh, I mean, I, I speculated, I was, I was saying, you know, I, I can't think of really many players, men or women, that have more talent in their fingertips on a tennis court than Daria Kasatkina, just in terms of the ability of what she's able to do and the imagination that she has to set herself these these possibilities and then the, the talent to execute them. At the same time, she can get socked off the court at the moment by people with just brutal power uh, Ostapenko you could imagine having a hot day and just knocking her off the court well her next opponent David is Alison Van Oytvank who has also backed up a big win she beat Gabini Muguruza in the previous round and today she beat Annette Contivate a big hitter herself mm. two and three two and three she beat wow. Contivate that is a, and, and from what I understand, I, I didn't watch that match, and I haven't seen Van Oytbank play on grass yet. But obviously, she's got that win over Magruther. From what from what Ian Carter, I think, who was on that court, was saying, she's another player who's applying different spins and, and angles to the game. Isn't that isn't that interesting to watch a player watch these players come out and just take on these power players with that kind of game? Really interesting. We've had some glorious, I think, I think it's been the contrast of styles in some of the women's matches this week, which has been the most glorious. You know, Halep against Shea today. Halep just thought, well, if I just keep hitting the ball harder, surely, surely. She's, you know, she, this, this woman is, you know, slicing forehand. She's, she's hitting the ball at, you know, three miles per hour. Surely if I just keep hitting it harder that has to work at some point and it just it just didn't it was this incredible stark contrast in styles and yeah we've 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 had a lot of that and I think by and large um it's resulted in some sensational matches one that did disappoint on the women's side today though Kerber and Osaka surprising isn't it Uh, I was just speaking to Phil Studd just now about how we were talking last night and that that could easily have been a match of the day and uh, and yeah it, it just didn't take off and I think probably because Kerber was good and Osaka was short of her best really she, a lot of errors from Osaka and Kerber we forget how good a grass court player she is don't mm. we she was a finalist here a couple of years yep. ago she um, played 
brilliantly uh, at Eastbourne before losing out to Caroline Wozniak. I mean, that was yep. an absolutely glorious match that could easily have gone either way. And she is playing pressure-free now. She's playing like she was probably a couple of years yes. ago. And she's got Winfrey Set in her, her box, who Joe Conta had in her box this time last year when she reached the semi-final. So, I don't know, it feels like it's coming together a bit Just for, quickly, for Angelique Kerber. You know, another one on, a few days ago, and I've heard this talked about since you raised it, your conversation with Sam Smith about being an introvert and how that affects a tennis player. She's the perfect case in point, isn't she? Yeah, and Sam Smith used her as the example. Being world number one did not suit her. We could see it oozing out of her at every Mm. turn, couldn't we? None of it suited her. She was going through the motions. She was doing the things that were asked of her. She was doing all the extra sponsor appearances and doing all the extra media and being in the glare of the spotlight. And she hated it. Mm. She hated it. And and she, she... I'm 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 guessing here, but as an introvert, I feel like it's an educated guess. She probably then hated herself a little bit because she thought, "Why aren't I loving this? Why yeah. why this should be the greatest privilege, the the best feeling in the world? Everyone wants to talk to me. Everyone wants a piece of me, and you're hating it. And then you you you're beating yourself up because because you're hating it. What I've decided is, in order to find out whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert, I've decided to get to world number one, and then <laughs> and then I'll be able to know, won't but I? That's a, a slightly longer route than just taking the Myers. Briggs test. Oh, I've, you I'll send you a link, David. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Kerber, incidentally, David, plays somebody who I don't think we've mentioned all week on the tennis podcast, Belinda Benchich. Oh, you're right. You know, I saw her on the order of play today and I genuinely looked at her name and I thought, is she in it? Is she in it? Yeah. I, I didn't even know she was in the tournament. Yeah, I thought she because was she's had so many injury issues. Yeah. I'm not sure she even... Did she play a warm-up event? She's, if she did, she didn't go deep. She beat she wasn't in Suarez Navarro today. She beat she? Suarez Navarro, which, mm. let's be honest, Suarez Navarro probably looks at a grass court and just feels Throws like an up. alien being dropped from space. <laughs> but she's made it to the third round. Yeah. Um, and Belinda Benchett, she's a former junior champion here. Yeah, I think, I think so. um, and she's another one with such court craft. Yeah, such oh, court craft. Sibokovic's carried on, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's backing up their giant killings. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, Sibokova plays Shea. Now there's another contrast to styles. Love it. Ostapenko. Then uh, this is the only I think women's result from today that we haven't covered. Now plays Alexandra Sasnovich, who Ooh. beat Gavrilova. I love Alexander Sasha. I know you Sasnovich. do. Tell us, remind us why you love Alexander She's just Sasnovich. so much fun. She's a bit quirky and, and she says stuff you're not expecting her to. And uh, she told the story about how mum and dad sold her mum's wedding ring in order to fund her career. I mean, it's just lovely, isn't it? Has she bought it back? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably, yes. I mean, they seemed incredibly close. How, she's... We, how big a market is there for second-hand wedding rings? Well, I bought it. No, I, I don't know. Um, she's a green belt in Taekwondo. I mean, I, I did, I, I've kept my distance. Have you obviously. written her Wikipedia page? No, but I'm just interested in it. She's <laughs> fascinating. She's a really good character. Uh, well, she is taking on uh, Yelena Ostapenko Ooh. in the round of 16. And all of these matches, David, will take place on the same day. Mm. God, I need... As well as those in the bottom half. There's I not mean, it's, time, it's too much. I know we're supposed to ce- celebrate the joy of Manic Monday, but I find it too much. I, I, I find that there are too many matches that are brilliant and get lost in the shuffle. It's like if you've got Christmas and your birthday, yeah, same day, isn't too it? too much. Why not spread out the joy? <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, we thought we were going to get to be able to spread out the joy at one stage because we thought that Nick Kyrgios and Kane Ishikori would end up coming back on Monday to finish their match and then we'd have an extra match on Tuesday. And so did they. I just minutes ago interviewed Kane Ishikori, uh, fresh from his sensational victory on court number one uh, against Nick Kyrgios. And he said, I asked how he spent his day. That match went on to court about half past seven in the evening. And Alex Verov talked quite openly yesterday after he eventually came through uh, his five-set match against Taylor Fritz with it having been held over the previous night on court number one. He said they made us play far too late because court number one is the darkest court around because it's so close and because of how the roof is now or the sort of the the bit of roof. Um, and he said they shouldn't play that late on that court. So I was, uh, so I was thinking, goodness, what's going to happen here? Couldn't believe they didn't move the match earlier in the day. And, and and I think the club, the referees have been let off the hook a bit by the fact that Nishikori won so quickly. But that's another discussion uh, because had the match been held over, it had been held over to Monday. And that's a disastrous disadvantage for the winner of that match. And for Ernest Gulbis, the uh, opponent of, of mm. Nishikori now, I, I just... I, I, they've been let off the hook but Kane Ishikori said that he filled the gap by having a chat with Nick Kyrgios <laughs> about the fact that there was no way they were going to finish their match tonight yeah and 
then they ended up coming out and I, I didn't see the match I was watching the score flick over 6-1 first set Nishikori in 16 minutes then 2-love with a break in the second set and I know you might be looking at that scoreline and thinking did Nick Kyrgios you know get annoyed at, at the scheduling decision or lack of decision that I was just getting annoyed at just then did he think oh it's Harper 7 uh, the last thing I want is to come back on Monday and then have to play three days in a row there's no way my body's up for that did the stars just align for Kyrgios just not really to be up for it and maybe there was an element of that today but Nishikori was brilliant his best ever grass court performance by far now I asked him is this the the best grass court tennis you've ever played and he said yes by far and he described that as his best match ever and I couldn't quite tell whether he was referring to ever, 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 like wow. including US Open 2014. Good quote. Um, but let's assume he was. And uh, yeah, he said he was seeing, he couldn't quite explain it because the light was fading so much, but he was just seeing the ball like a football and he just felt amazing. But still, Nick Kyrgios lost that in pretty double quick time. And I watched the, I mean, he, he, to be fair to him, he, he, he fought hard and, and got, it, got a break back, got it into a tie break in the second set, lost the second set tie break. At the end, I mean, he was doing that thing that players do when they're frustrated at the end of the third set and they're just going for ridiculous shots, going for broke. And he was making a fair few of them, but it was kind of... There was a bit of, I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to go for it. If they go in, great. If they don't, oh, I'm sick of it. And and I've actually got a, a bit of a theory, if you wouldn't mind uh, indulging me here, Catherine, just to, about Nick Kyrgios. So the more I watch him, the more I try to learn what makes him tick. And... I've, I've always tried to wonder, why does Nick Kyrgios have a love three head-to-head record, now love four against Kei Nishikori, and yet he beats Novak Djokovic every time he plays him? And those two are quite similar in the way they approach things. My theory is, he likes Kei Nishikori. He thinks he's a lovely bloke. He wants to have a chat with him before a match. He's got no anger towards him. He's got no point to prove. He, 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 if he gets frustrated and angry he takes it out on his box or himself against Kane Shikuri and he's half the player I'm not saying he doesn't like Djokovic at all but I think he quite likes putting Djokovic in his place a bit I think there's a little bit of him that likes to sort of you know come on so it's the Andy Murray theory but applied not just applied to Andy Murray yeah I think so, and and I think it I think it actually has a, a tangible effect on on the level of performance of Nick Kyrgios. Um, he needs to to vilify the opponent, find it in himself to vilify the opponent. I like the theory; mm. it's quite unquantifiable. No, that's why. Just, but th- just my theory. I'm, I'm buying into it, David. Okay. I'm all over it. Let's he plays uh, Nick. Um, not Nick Kyrgios, sorry, you're heading home. Nick Nishiguri plays Ernest Gulbis yes, in the which... fourth round, who at his 11th time of asking, David, his 11th Wimbledon, has made it to the second week for the first time. He's ranked 138 in the world currently. Before Wimbledon, he had one tour-level match win all year. He's this... qualified and he's won three back-to-back five-set matches. This is out of nowhere. Is this is he the story, though? Or is Alexander Zverev losing again in the first week of a slam the story? A little bit, but I w- is that a surprise anymore? Yeah, of course well, that's a story. It, it is a and, and the fact he lost the fifth set six love is a story. But I don't... They're, they're two very separate stories. Um, and 
come on, that's a story. It's a, no, it's a great story. And actually, I, I, I decided to go and look up the ranking history of Ernest Gorbis the last 10 years. Bizarre. And it's hilarious. <laughs> in 2007, he was 141. Then he was 40 the year after. Then the year after, he's 100. The year after that, he's 21. <laughs> year, 2011, he was 85. He, di- he briefly dipped into the top 10, didn't he, after the yeah, French Open in, in 2014, he was number 10 in the world. Hey. 2015, he was 117 in the world. 2016, he was 59 in the world. And then last year, he was 589 in the now, world. Now, he did have a bit of injury issues, I think. Oh, he did. Uh, had serious oh, injuries. Oh, but uh, most recently, I think he had some summer of last year, which accounts for some of the tumble. But look, he's just a streaky, hot and cold player, yeah. isn't he? But he seemed the least surprised by this run. <laughs> he, he seemed the le- he, I mean, talk about confident. I said, how are your legs, Ernest? Um you know, you've 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 barely played any match level, uh, tour level tennis all year, and you've won three qualifying matches and now three five set matches. And he said, "Yeah, I've done the work. I'm fine." <laughs> he's a he's a cool bloke. Isn't <laughs> he, he is. I mean, he is. He keeps you on your toes, and I don't. I I I don't mind that. Um, no. Uh, yeah, he, he he was perfectly frank in the interview, but he doesn't seem surprised at all. No. I guess he's learned to never be surprised by what, what he does on Alexander a tennis court. Zverev was saying after his previous match uh, against Taylor Fritz, which he finished to finish off comfortably in the second day of it, he said he'd had a really bad stomach virus the day before. And, and the morning of the resumption, he said, I nearly didn't play today. And then I, I had some, some medication. I got out there and actually I ended up feeling fine when I was out there. I don't know. I haven't read his transcript tonight, but fifth set, six love. Is, is what yeah, it lost it. it wasn't good enough that fifth oh. set it, 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 it wasn't good enough and, and frankly another thing that Gulbis said in his interview um, after the match was that he thought he'd lost it so Gulbis served for the third set they were a set apiece he served for the third set got broken back um, and Zverev went on to take that third set and Gulbis thought yeah I've lost this now you know the the the, the, the the form books say that once the the top player, and let's remember he's the world number three, seizes momentum in that way, and uh, you know they they tend to um, viciously capitalise on the disappointment of their opponent and run away with with that momentum. And somehow he ended up losing two straight sets from that point. One of them, six games to love. That isn't what world number threes do generally. Certainly not with regularity. Which is which is what's starting to happen for yeah. Alex Verov. So yeah. I don't know. I, I read his, in preparation for today because I was expecting to do a Zverev interview hmm. on Court One today. I read his transcript from yesterday after um, he eventually got the job done against Taylor Fritz. And yes, I he obviously did have a stomach bug, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He has every right to explain that. But the complaints then about the light on Court Number One, it was just a little bit poppy, you know, just a little bit chippy and. I don't know. You've, you've won the match, mate. You, you know, he was asked about. He, he was uh, introduced to the word masochism by a journalist. Mm. Are you a masochist? You know, his his record of being taken to five sets and all these Grand Slam matches and the effect it has on him physically. It, it's completely legitimate to raise that, and he didn't like it being raised. He, he said, "Well, I'd rather win in five than not win." Well, yeah, but yeah. wouldn't you rather win in three no, I, every now and then? I, th- I think the good news for him and his supporters is that is his cast iron certainty that he will he will get there. I mean, if he didn't have that, I would be concerned about mental scar tissue. I, th- for I him. don't think he's an introvert. I don't think we need to worry him about mm-hmm. about him not having the the character 
the appropriate character to be a, a champion. Maybe he's trying to get to world number one to find out whether he's an introvert or an extrovert. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> Novak Djokovic against uh, Kyle Edmonds. Yeah, I, I did that go pretty much the way you were expecting, David? I think we discussed it and we all, I think we agreed that we were expecting more of Kyle than John McEnroe and Tim Edmund perhaps gave credit for. I, I thought he would challenge, but I, I did think Djokovic would come through. Well, I, I, first of all, I, I actually thought found the level that Kyle Edmund displayed really quite exciting. And, and um, my comparison was, was to the first time that Andy Murray ever played against Rafael Nadal in 2007, when Andy Murray was 19 years old in the Australian Open. And, and he... We'd only ever seen him do his slice backhand and his clever court craft and his drop shots, all of it very, very good, but we'd never seen him go out and try and blitz the ball. That's just not Andy Murray's game. And against Rafael Nadal, when he was 19 at the Australian Open in 07, he clearly realised, I can't beat this guy. I cannot rally with this guy. I've got to go and try and hit him off the court. And that's when we saw his flat arrow-like bullet backhand cross-court for the cool, very yeah. first time. We'd never seen that before, and, we, and it, was, it was just awe-inspiring tennis, and he went two sets to one-up. And that, that shed a new light. I think even for him, he discovered something about himself that he didn't know. He had to play out of his comfort zone in order to get the job done. And today, Edmund went out there, and he just went for haymakers from the very first ball. And it was so exciting to watch, because Djokovic was getting rocked back on his heels. Um, it, he was playing well, Djokovic. He was the better player for the first handful of games. Edmund hung in and then suddenly just capitalised and took it to him. And it was exciting. But equally, I felt uplifting was the way that Djokovic wasn't having it. And he didn't go away. And he didn't crumple under the weight of this. Not only the... the I mean, he got, he got grumpy. At times he got... I liked grumpy Djokovic, he, though. Yeah, he got grumpy about the fact that all the luck seemed to be going against him in, in, at the end of that first set. And the crowd started to be a bit irritating to him he's not like Nadal he can't just ignore it all and just crack on with the next point he gets wound up by it and yes he started to get irritable and give them a bit back and stuff like this but it just it just reminded you of the Djokovic that used to win big and uh, and I thought I thought the whole the whole package of the match both players came up came off looking pretty good to me yeah I agree and it, it and that match was on BBC one right after the football you know it will have had a, a, a great viewership and I think it might be a moment where a lot of people look at Kyle Edmund and go yeah this this guy's for real do you know you what know? Pat Cash said Pat Cash said that first set Kyle Edmund played top two or three leveled tennis out there and he also said that this guy at the end of it he, he said, said after seeing that this guy is going to get to Grand Slam final the only thing I would say about that and I, I think Kyle Edmund probably will get to Grand Slam final is that I'm, I'm not sure that sets him apart to say that he played top two three tennis for a set because I, I could there are countless players that can do that what makes the top two and three stand apart is the fact that they can do it for more than a set but the, the level that he produced in that set on a Grand Slam sta stage against one of the best players of all time is not something we've seen from Alexander Zverev yet at a Grand Slam. I think we've seen it for a set from him. Against whom? And when? Oh, and where? Um, Nadal, Australian Open last year. It's off the top of my head, David. Mm. I'm on the spot. I think, I think you probably just about got that one, yeah. Um, but I'll anyway, I... I, I was very impressed with Djokovic today because I thought he looked physically a bit ropey 
um, towards the end of that second set. It was hot. He was generally sort of irritable, as you say, and and he was... I don't know, was something about the sort of widening of his eyes that I thought, hang on, this guy's this guy's on the ropes a bit here. Um, and he didn't look like that physical colossus that could just run all day like he once has. And somehow he managed to regroup and and channel the channel the irritation. Charlie Eccleshow put out a tweet saying it was great to see Djokovic drop the pretense and, and you know, do start start, you know, blowing fans air kisses and cupping his hand to his ear when mm. they were all cheering yeah, on Kyle Edmund and Eccleshire, Charlie Eccleshire pointed out what, what we've said a few times I think is that he'd be a lot more popular if he embraced sometimes being being the villain you yeah. know embraced it more you know I love that not worry that. about who he upsets exactly I really enjoyed that and he also I've heard rumours that um, speculation that Djokovic has, has adopted an entirely liquid diet and I definitely saw him eat solid food in that third set. Oh, good. Just, good. just, just thought I'd mention that. Fine. Definitely consumed solid food. Well, well done, Novak. You uh, won it looked today. very healthy. Just a couple of other very quick solid. results here. Rafael Nadal, comfortable winner over Alex Diminar. Uh, we also had uh, one Martin Del Potro looking very good today very against good. Benoit Paire. He won in straight sets. Uh, Yui Vesely very quietly coming through the draw. He beat Fabio Fanini in four. Um, so that, that pretty much rounds up all the results of today. Jamie Raunich Murray Raunich completed his match and won through. Jamie Murray won through in the doubles. Hatchinov was a good winner against Francis Tiafo. Simon. So, oh, right, blimey, there's loads of results. Simon's We've through. both got the app up. I okay. don't know whether you can right. tell. Uh, very quickly, let's just do the order of play. And because we've got uh, Nick Kyrgios finishing his match and losing to Kei Nishikuri, it means that uh, uh, Monday's schedule is, um, is, is now very clear with all the last 16 matches on both sides being played. Uh, they haven't actually got the, uh, the, the order of play ready no. yet for, for Monday, so we'll just have to wait for that. You'll have to go and look I at your app. I can predict he'll be on it. Yeah, all right. I suppose that Roger Federer bloke will be on the centre court. Nadal, Federer, Serena, centre court. Okay, all right. Well, Nadal, Federer, and Serena. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Oh, probably the same. I have no idea, but th- that sounds about right. I, again, oh, in I, fact, it's just popped up again. I think what they're about off the this? hook a bit Here because we are. Edmund didn't get through. They would have had a difficult decision if Edmund had got through. What do you know? First up, Roger Federer on centre court, one o'clock against Andrea Manorino. Then Serena Williams against Eugenie, Eugenie Rudina. Then uh, Rafael Nadal against Yuri Vesely. So Catherine Whitaker's absolutely right. Which I think, match wise, with the possible exception of Rafa, match wise, those are some of the the poorest, like likely I mean, poorest matches. Why, why isn't Novak Djokovic on centre court? Really? Why isn't he? I want to watch. Uh, he's he's Djokovic up against, against Karen Hatchinov. That is a better match. I want to watch Gulbis against Nishikori. Than either of those two. But actually, I noticed Djokovic in his post-match interview saying that he, uh, he, he quite happy to play on centre or court one. He didn't wasn't even asked that. He was quite. He wanted to just get that out there. I think that's quite good for him in a way to mm. to just have that mindset. You know screw you all I'll play wherever I want wherever you want so uh, Kerber against Bencic on court one then Monfils against Anderson then Hatchinov Djokovic court two is Pliskova Burton's Nishikori Gulbis Del Potro Simon and then on court three you've got Ostapenko Sasnovic Gergas Vekic talk to me about Monfils Anderson being on one when Del Potro Simon isn't I, Del Potro's not I played don't know. I don't know I, we I haven't don't, got time Monfils has played on centre Del Potro's not played any. I don't don't get it. We always have loads of arguments about the order of play on a Monday, don't we? But anyway, that is the order of play. And it's also uh, four men's matches and one and two women's matches on the two main show courts. Mm -hmm. Just to to remind you of that as well. Catherine, go and enjoy your middle Sunday. Oh, I'm going to wash my sheets.
can't wait. More information than we needed. Uh, no, but because there's nothing better than clean sheets, is yeah, there? Yeah, but the listeners don't need to know that, do they? Not, be- not because they're soiled, just because I want nice, fresh, clean sheets. Yeah, we don't need to know, know this. Just I'm going to go and have to a nice clear, lie-in. To be clear, not soiled. Right, OK, Catherine, we're together. This is why you listen it's to been the a tennis... Swe- it's been a sweaty week, hasn't it? This is- it's getting worse. This is why you listen to the tennis <laughs> podcast. We know this, people. Uh, we're going to go and have a break on Middle Sunday. I'm not going to watch anything. Um, and I'm, I'm making it worse now. <laughs> and, uh, it's suddenly got dark overhead, and I'm going to go home. And uh, thank you for listening to everybody for the first week of the tennis podcast throughout Wimbledon. It's been, it's been we had some lovely messages. have been really nice to us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we've been the tennis podcast. We've brought you an association with The Telegraph. Uh, we are sponsored by Amazon Prime Video the new home of the US Open in the UK. Uh, our executive producers are Melanie Bowes, TennisBalls.com and Triple S. We also have a sponsor, which is La Manga Club and our mascot, Charlie the Ferret. And we are off for a day off. See you Monday. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.